This is a topic-based podcast, so each episode we're going to tackle a different issue facing board games, the people who play them, and the industry. Our topic for today? We want to try our hand at predicting what will happen in the board game world in 2020. Hello everybody, welcome to the latest episode of Tabletop Inquisition. It's the new year! Hello everyone! Hey Oliver! Happy New Year to you! (laughs) And Happy New Year to you too! Are you all excited for what's coming in 2020? I think so, yeah. There's lots of uh, games that I've got on my list that are due to be delivered and kickstarters and all sorts of things, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I think there's something exceptionally exciting about an even numbered year. I don't know why yes. that, that like 2020 sounds better than 2019 or 2021. This one's just got a good ring to it, which means it's probably going to be a really good year. Yes, there have been lots of puns about 2020 vision and all that, haven't there? So mm, we will see what true. happens with the 2020. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of vision, I think that really leads nicely into our topic as well. Vision and predictions and things like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Our predictions for 2020 in the board gaming world. It'll be really fun, I think, to look back in this episode, you know, in a couple of month's time and see how right we were or how wrong yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, should, it, should, it should be exciting so what have you been up to anyway tell us a, tell us a little bit about how your new year has been going um yeah the new year has been going quite well i've finally got some more time to focus on all things blog and audio recording and bits and pieces been sort of, uh, overhauling my website making it look mm-hmm. a bit nicer um yeah just having the time to look at these things and think about them whereas before was all sort of just you know writing articles recording them getting them out there how about you have you had a good start of the year so far um i'd like to think so i think there's something really special about a new year that just invigorates you a little bit and makes you want to like improve things and examine things and i don't know i'm the sort of person who gets really excited like when it's a new week because it's like it's a new week it's a fresh slate we could do anything so a new year was a really big deal (laughs) really big deal (laughs) for me i had all these like ideas my brain was exploding with stuff i wanted to arrange and things i wanted to do um and it finally feels like the board game world is settling down a bit i don't know i think especially after essen coming up to christmas there was just all yeah. these games coming out and there was a lot of reviews that had to be done and i feel like i'm finally coming out the other side of that so i can kind of breathe a little bit like yourself and have time Good. to kind of look yeah. at my own stuff and do it a little bit better and just kind of enjoy what you're doing a bit more sometimes just having that time to breathe is so important because you'll smother yourself with the things you love if you just bury yourself inside of them that's true i'm enjoying the new year very much so far so did you set up did did you make any new year's resolutions perhaps New Year's resolutions. Well, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, a couple. I mean, I've, I've, I've written about it in the blog as well. But the main couple of things I think I, I'm trying to do more of this year is, first of all, I still work on my alpha player syndrome, which, as I said, hey. I think I've, I've improved. I've got a lot better. Mm. And to be honest, my wife and I have been playing Pandemic together, cooperative Lovely. game. So that's nice. one of the classics, I think, where the alpha player would just take over. And mm-hmm. I don't think I have. Um, have to ask my wife to find out whether that's actually true. But <laughs> we've enjoyed playing it. We've played it quite a few times now, and uh, hopefully that's that's helped. As I say, hopefully I continue like that. And then generally, I think just playing games more repeatedly. I think I mentioned that oh, before. I yes. want to play a game not just once, which I think a lot of us probably have to do because there's so many games coming out. You want to talk about mm-hmm. them, you get to write the review and all that. Yes. But just making time to have have at least some games that you keep playing repeatedly. And, you know, fair enough, some games you just play once and they're probably not as interesting and and it doesn't really matter. But others you do want to play more often because there's so much Mm. more inside the game that you only discover the more you play it. It's a sort of meta game within the game, if you like, you know, the different strategies you can develop in some games. And and you just get different enjoyment as well, I think. Also playing with different people. So part of the things that that I've tried to do is, is get games that I can play with my wife, but also with a games group and see how that feels different because i think my wife and i play differently games than than i play in the games group so how about you what sort of things have you planned for the year what are there any resolutions you've set for yourself well i definitely set one from for myself and i decided this is the year where i was going to keep everything simple and just make my life easier i find all sorts of things that are really like um, not quite well difficult to do maybe or really exhausting and I just I wanted to make my life easier I didn't want to feel all the pressure on myself to do so much or things like that I just I really wanted to just stay, take a step back and kind of 
think about myself first. I know that sounds really weird, but I'm a real people pleaser. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, anybody who asks me, you know, will you do this, that, and the other? Oh, I'm the first one to jump and say yes and bend over backwards. Yeah. And this year I'm trying to set my own kind of limits about you know what i'm capable of doing and i i don't want to feel i don't want to feel stressed out about doing something i really like yeah yeah no, of course. <laughs> so so far it's working really well actually <laughs> it's been a really tough thing for me to do to kind of take a step back and go well you know what what will it matter if this video isn't ready tomorrow maybe not yeah yeah but i'm trying to kind of keep everything on my my own terms and then just make everything around me a little bit simpler and when it comes to board games um yeah you and i have very similar <laughs> resolutions indeed because at the the end of last Last year we had a look at how many games we played throughout the year and how many of those were new and just the number kind of astounded me the number of board games i went mm. through last year yeah, yeah. and when i looked at the collection i at the end of it i was kind of surprised with how many of them i wanted to keep and how many i wanted you know to, to move on that i played a few times and felt like I don't know. I think a lot of really good games came out last year, but not great games. And I think the more games we bought, the the older stuff or the great games really stood out more, and you didn't need all of these extra things. Yeah. So my my goal is my goal has been to basically buy less. Um, and I think I can do that because I've gone through that phase of buying everything and trying everything out. There's literally nothing left, <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> and so I can just play more of the games here at home. And that's been really exciting too. It's been a long time since I've done repeat plays of games. I played a lot of things once or twice because it was just such a volume of them. God, that's a, that sounds terrible, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? There's just so many games. I just I couldn't <laughs> play them all. Um, I swear. <laughs> it's not as bad as it sounds, even though it probably is. But it's been really nice. Um, before Christmas, we cleared off everything we needed we, that hadn't been played. And since then, I've just we've been playing whatever we wanted, like in repeat sessions, and it's been really, really lovely. Yep. Um, and I really look forward to doing more of that. Um, it's a very bizarre feeling knowing that there isn't something else you've got to get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just lovely to just be able to settle down. Isn't it funny that I've I found I'm, I'm using the BG Stats app, and originally yeah. I was doing it more for the games group, so I could say to them, look, you know, what I used to do with our games group have like an Excel file where I just record all our, you know points and games. And all then that interviewers say right here's your high score of the year and all that and it was mm. such a pain so i thought well why don't i use the app now mm. so i started doing yeah, that great. at the end of the year last year and it was you know it, it's a really good app really enjoyable yeah. but now i started finding actually looking at the sort of what they call the h index so the number of mm. games you played yes. that many times so you know have you yes. played three games at least three times and things like that so even though i'm not going for like a 10 by 10 ch challenge yeah. in a way that's sort of what i'm doing in my head thinking okay let's <laughs> actually have a look you know here's a game i only played once why don't we play that again or why haven't yeah. we played it you know is it, is it not a good game should i you know pass on to someone else so i found using yeah. the app is actually leading me to helping me down that path of repeat <laughs> play and yes also mm -hmm. recording stats i mean that's just fun but <laughs> it it's, fun. it's more the oh hang on i there's these four games we've played four times now. Isn't that amazing? Why, you know, can we get yes. a fifth game played? You know, play them all five times, and <laughs> mm. it's just you know those sort of things are quite helpful. Having having something that sort of yeah leads you down that path and helps you along the line. Mm -hmm. So yeah, more more it games, is. not more games, more the same game more often. The same game more times. Plus math is fun. I love looking at statistics. I would definitely recommend the, that um the stats app to anybody who plays yeah. games relatively frequently because I think there's nothing more fun than going. Oh, the last time we played this that's how many points you scored or that's the best score you've ever gotten in this or yeah, you know yeah, finding yeah. out that i'm undefeated in a particular title is just like oh that's, that's brilliant <laughs> <laughs> you know i'll fight extra hard this game to not lose oh definitely, <laughs> but definitely I, I like that as well it. like look oh you know this is my high score usually a lot of games i don't win i'm not that good especially in our games group yeah. i you know mm -hmm. I, I tend to look, go into a game knowing they're probably going to lose but just yes. seeing oh actually i beat my own high score or mm. i maybe beat the you know lowest score of, of a good player or things like that so you can yeah, compare yourself nice. and i enjoy that um but as mm. i say it that's that's part of it and you know by the time we get to the end of this year which is 12 months away but hopefully then i can give my games group again their stats and say to them look yeah i've recorded it all it's definitely yep. worth having a look and, mm. and trying that out so. yeah but speaking uh, of games then what mm, games yes. have you been playing recently or since oh. the new year since the new year i've been been playing a good lot of games actually because i got really burnt out over christmas and i was just like oh god no more games um but then it kind of all settled down and we got to settle in and play um a bunch of things repeatedly so i'm gonna start with something i'm relatively proud of and it's i 
I finally finished the campaign in Mechs versus Minions. Oh yeah. So this is a really big board game from Riot Games, I think, isn't it? Who make it? Um, they they normally make video games, but for some reason they make this they made this really lavish board game, and it's a campaign thing, and it's a little bit like Robo Rally, where you program your moves each turn, except you draft the cards to program them, and you work together cooperatively uh, okay. on a series of adventures. You're all in a training school, and something goes awry, and you have to deal with the board full of little minions that will automatically move around while you're trying to achieve objectives it's a really gorgeous looking board game and it's ridiculously cheap for what's in it it's full of miniatures game trays you name it like it's got it and they're painted miniatures as well um and there's a series of 10 missions in the box i think we've had the box for maybe three years and we had a group that used to play with us and we got to like mission seven and then never got any further. <laughs> um, uh, and so finally over Christmas, my, my husband was like, right, we're going to finish it. We're going to do Max versus Minions. We're going to finish it ourselves. Yay. And then we remembered why we didn't finish it sooner. <laughs> it's a very good <laughs> <Right>. game. <laughs> it's a, it's actually a very, go- a very good game, but it gets very samey um, because you end up drafting kind of the same cards uh, to do okay. the same things yeah, yeah. for all of the missions. Now, the missions are different and it's still very, very, very fun to play um we're glad we finished it i think that was just it was just cool to finally get to the end because i think that's the first campaign game we've ever actually finished okay yeah ever (laughs) we're really bad at finishing things (laughs) so that was really exciting to finish mech's first minions what about yourself what have you been playing yeah i mentioned pandemic earlier with uh, playing that with my wife but I've also played in the game screen mm-hmm. uh, Dune, or the, rather the remake of Dune, which I think is Ooh. what like forty years old, the original, something like that. It's a really old game, and you think, oh god, there's <laughs> going to be really you know old mechanisms, and it's going to be a bit dodgy. But I really enjoyed it. So yeah. Dune, it's based obviously on the film, got all the IP behind it, and all the character. Well, most of the characters anyway. I think there's a couple of them that don't appear in it, but yeah, you're basically trying to control the spice or harvest the spice on dune and you can be with fremen who obviously control the uh, worms as well and it, it's yeah the, the whole sort of i think the feeling of it comes across but even if you don't know the film or the books or anything like that it's a very exciting i think strategy game of getting your troops on the board maneuvering them right in the place having the right sort of cards that's sort of like attack cards and defense cards that you can have and there's also a bidding phase within it where you bid on blindly on a on a card that just could be a really pointless card or could be a really good card. No one knows. <laughs> so you just everyone just bids. But just uh, this idea of okay, I can bluff now, so I can pretend I've got lots of money and go, yeah, I'm going to start with two, and then everyone thinks, oh god, two is quite a lot of money. You know, there's not that much spice in the game, and and all those sort of things. And as I say, the, the the hidden information. And just the moving of your troops on the map, it just ticks a huge amount of boxes for me. I just fell in love with it Aww. straight after the first game. And we've played it once more since, and I can't wait to play it again. It's just, yeah, Aww. it's it's one of those games which, I don't know, it just is the sort of thing I've been looking forward to finding. Um, and then a friend of mine Aww. bought it, and so I brought it to the games night. We played it, and, and everyone loves it. So can't wait to play that again. That's so that's Dune. Uh, but is it Gale Force Nine? I think they've, I think whether they've republished it or, or what, what, what it is. But yeah, it's a sort of new remake, and yeah, yeah remake. really good fun. Very cool. That so, sounds yeah. like a really fun game to have with a group. Yes, you know, it sounds really kind of interactive, very, and especially very. when you're all playing as factions and you're kind of vie for control. You can kind of get into the role and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that sounds exciting. It's one I would love to play as well. The board looks amazing because it's a big giant circle. Yeah, can't wait to play <laughs> that again. Well, so speaking of games that you kind of fell in love with and couldn't stop thinking about, I'll go, I'll jump on with Russian Railroads. Um, So this is from Z-Man Games. And I'm sorry, but you're not going to find it in any shops. But it's one of these (laughs) that people talk about a lot. And I really, really, really wanted to try it. But it's very expensive because it's out of print. So... I I think I sold like three or four board games to pay pay for it. But um, I... I think it's actually been worth it. It's been very pleasant. So Russian Railroads is indeed a game about railroads, although the internet likes to think otherwise. Right. It's very much a dry euro where yeah. you're trying to lengthen out your train tracks and improve the quality of kind of the carts in your train so they're worth more victory points. Yeah. At its core, it's a, a worker placement game. Um, so everything you do comes from putting workers, you know, out on a board so you can make your train longer, you can have engineers, things like that. It's actually not that complicated. It's fairly basic. 
classic. Okay. But there's something about the way it escalates that makes it really exciting. So you start the first round, you score at the end of each round, and I think there's five rounds in total. Um, and the first round, you'll get a little bit of points. Okay. And then the second round, you get a little bit more. And then by the last round, you get like 250 points a round. <laughs> right okay there's something (laughs) really pleasant about it's your player board and moving your train along with the wooden pieces i don't know why it's the child in me obviously building my little train yeah and i just i think there's something about the way it's put together like it's really dry and it is indeed about maximizing your points and you could sit down and work it out it's one of those okay yeah i just i couldn't stop thinking about it once i played it like so the first like you've got three different train tracks you can extend and they're all worth different kind of values depending how far you get on each and the first time I did a little bit in each train track I was like right we'll figure it out and then the second time I went back I was like I'm going to build a big train track with all the points on it so I tried to do that and that didn't work particularly well either and then I went back and I was like no no no, I need to do the bit down the bottom and I just it's the first time I've played a game and instantly well not ever but in a while where I went right no just set it back up again I need to try this now (laughs) so kind of like you you were saying yeah you think about you think about doing and what you would do kind of next time I already have another plan for the next time I play Russian Railroads and the nice part is nobody solved it yet okay (laughs) I assumed my husband would just figure out how to win and beat it every time yeah, yeah but there's enough little bits of variability in there that you can't do just that and i i've had an awful lot of fun with it actually i've played it like three or four times which is a lot for, <laughs> which is a lot for me but this is new year so maybe it's a small number so that that is my mini review of why i love russian railroads <laughs> Railroads, nice yeah <laughs> what about what about you <laughs> what else have you been playing yeah i've played uh, another game I, I think did we yeah, the top five when we did it uh, in the last episode i was mentioning vivaldi as a sort of biggest surprise yes. and i yeah. got a copy of vivaldi for my mum for christmas and Aww. she said next time they're going to come and visit as uh, she's going to bring it over but it's a five player only game so game. it's going to be my mum <laughs> My dad, one of my nieces is coming over as well next time they visit for the first time, which is nice of her. And then it's going to be me at four, but we need a fifth person. Uh, So I said to my wife, Mm -hmm. do you know trick-taking games? And, you know, she's she's not played many. I don't don't think they're that popular over here other than things like bridge Mm -hmm. and sort of more complicated ones. So I was thinking, okay, what what can we do to get her into trick-taking games? And I played Skull King at Essen one evening mm-hmm. and it's the yeah. ideal game to get people into the thinking of trick-taking games. And the way it plays mm-hmm. as well, it's you start well, with one card each and you have to everyone has to every round decide how many tricks they will have. So if you have one card, there's only one trick in it. So you basically say zero or one. That's that's the only choice mm-hmm. you have. Um, so if, if you've never played trick-taking games, there's not much to learn to start with. And as the rounds progress, you dealt more and more cards the second round everyone gets two cards and three cards and four cards so as you play the game you're actually learning what you're looking for and we played it now i think three or four times and the very first time it was literally just a matter of okay i need to get used to what 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 it means to have tricks and and trump cards and suits and Mm -hmm. all these sort of other things get used to the terminology and then the i think we played i think actually we played twice that evening just to get into it and then we played again last night and this time I said, okay, let's actually write the points down. Not that I want to know who, who wins or not, but again, just to get a feel of, okay, what tricks, what should I play to get more points, what is worth doing or not, just to get a feel for that. And yeah. my wife started really ramping up the points suddenly. So she was really <laughs> suddenly clicked after like two or three games, as I say, mm. suddenly clicked. I mean, I did win in the end anyway, but as I say, it wasn't about the winning or not, but it was clear no. that she worked out what, what to do. So... Again, it's yeah. it's such a fun game. So we're going to play that more often now. And hopefully by the time my parents come over for Easter, we're going to have a trained up in trick-taking games and we can then take on Vivaldi <laughs> as a sort of huge step up. I mean, Vivaldi is, is another level. Aww. But uh, as I say, Skull King, <laughs> if, if you've never played trick-taking games, give that a go. It is really easy to learn, really easy to teach. And you really, every time you play it, you eased into it because you played, start with one card, two mm-hmm. cards, three cards, four cards, up to 10 cards. And by the end of it, you, you, I think you've learned what a trick-taking game is, at least the basics of it. So that was really good fun. Fantastic. Really enjoyed That's that. That's brilliant. Your, your wife needs like a Rocky montage moment of her playing all the yeah. trick-taking games <laughs> yeah. and getting slightly better each time. Yeah. So she is the champion. Yeah. I hope she beats you all. That would be great. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> she came close. <laughs> I was like, we were halfway through Skull King and she was like 80 points ahead or something. I thought, oh my God, oh, wow. she's going to smash this. And then awesome. the thing is with Skull King, you can actually catch up really easily as well. Well, not really mm. easily, but there are lots of points in it. So, you, you know, even though yeah. you're far behind, you still can catch up. And that was, yeah, really satisfying to sort of, I, I could sort of see it in her face. It just suddenly started to click and she was working mm -hmm. at what to do. So we played some more. Can't wait to play some more. Oh, so yeah, Skull King. Um, well, I think we've probably talked about enough mm -hmm. games now, do you think? Never enough. Never enough. Don't Never settle enough. for less. <laughs> <laughs> more games, more we'll games. Have to, we'll have to settle. There's only so many hours in the day yeah. we can record this for. So shall yeah. we move on to our game terminology then? Yes, let's do that. Um, let's talk about some game terminology. made it to our second section which is clearly our favorite yeah. um so this is the game terminology part Yay. <laughs> uh, so i'm gonna just jump into it because this is yeah. one I, i'm actually quite happy to talk about for a change um so the first term that we're going to talk about today is collectible card games slash living card games or unique card games or even fixed Yay. deck card games wow <laughs> you may have heard some if not all of these terms before and to me so what a collectible card game is it's a it's a it's a game where if you want to expand the game you have to buy more cards it's a collectible thing and you will often trade cards with other people but yeah. it means that when you buy them you don't have um, let's say the entire game to, to play with you have to buy further things um, to enhance what you're playing they'll often change over time as well they'll have different sets or new things will be released that you can add into the cards you already have and the best example of course for this is probably something like magic the gathering which has been the long yeah. the world's longest running ccg i believe and um, collectible card game probably um yeah. there's a whole other host of these out there things like legend of the five rings used to be really popular netrunner is also like a, a fixed deck game yeah um, where you would buy your box of cards and there was a time in like the early 2000s when every sci-fi show had their own collectible card game so maybe you played <laughs> yeah. the babylon 5 card game the star trek card game um there was even yeah. one for middle earth um go, go around at all the different times so they've been around for quite a while i think but not all of them last forever no, no. so yeah so that's my definition of a collectible card game good luck following that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think I can follow that very much. Maybe you have something else in there I forgot about. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's one term I think that's that's been missed out of this long list of different types of uh, collectible yeah. or other card games, which is just sort mm. of trading card game, which is mm. technically a collectible card game, but people obviously, you know, once they're bought a set and maybe they don't like mm. the cards, they trade with other people. So there's, yeah. it's the same sort of thing, really. You know, if you have a collectible card game, like you do with stickers, you swap if you don't like what you've got. You've got duplicates and whatever. So, yep. um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, mm. what you said obviously makes sense. There's, you know, the, the, the different versions of it are obviously if you have a, I think a living car game literally is a matter of they actually add to it uh, new types yes. of cards and things. And again, I think Magic the Gathering has done that very successfully over the mm -hmm. decades almost now, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Whereas other collectible card games, maybe they, they don't invent new things. They just sort of leave it as it is. Mm -hmm. And then obviously with unique card games, we have uh, Keyforge now, where literally oh, yes. it's it's Correct. basically also fixed deck card game because you just buy a mm -hmm. deck and that's it. You, you play yeah. with that and, and you don't really do much with it. The difference maybe, I think some fixed deck card games allow you basically to select a certain subset of those cards, whereas the unique, uh, you know, Keyforge, mm -hmm. you, you play the whole deck, you basically shuffle mm -hmm. the whole thing and, and you draw and, and yeah. whatever you get, you get. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, I mean, all of those card games work very similarly. You know, you play a card, it mm -hmm. does a certain action. And I think a lot of these are also one-on-one -on -one battles as well. So you tend That's, to yes. play against one player. I don't know whether mm -hmm. there are exceptions to them. There probably are, yeah. but... Uh, Ma Magic the Gathering, you can play with, with multiple players if you if you want. Oh, you can? Um, oh, I didn't, yeah, didn't it's like a, they'll call it a melee. So you have a bunch of people who have decks and sometimes there are rules about who you're allowed to attack or things like that to make them fair. But you can play in groups, yeah, for sure. For, for okay. Uh, so have you, ever, have you ever played or collected a card game before, Oliver? No, I mean, the, the only those sort of types of card games, as, as I say, Keyforge for me is the only experience with, with mm. that style of games. But that's, as I say, that's the yeah. unique card game and it's a fixed deck card game. Mm -hmm. I've, I've never, I, I don't think um, I'm that good. I mean, 
playing things like even like Mystic Veil and stuff, to me, uh, I'm, I'm happy with having a sort of fixed deck that you start with yeah. and maybe you build it up over time. I just don't know enough. and I don't know whether I'd find it easy to work out what cards would you know best combo with others. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, some yeah. people are really good at that and, and they build up that idea and then they can obviously mm-hmm. see, okay, if I've got this card with this card and they do yeah. the maths and things. I think to me it's it's just <laughs> not my type of game. I mean, as I yeah. enjoy card games and I enjoy mm-hmm. playing Keyforge, absolutely, or, you know, things like that. Yeah. But building my own deck and having to think about it, I don't know, yeah. it's not just for me. Um, but yeah, let's let's hear the definition then. <laughs> so our definition of a collectible card game. This one comes from Wiki because I don't think there was one actually on Magic the Gathering or not Magic the Gathering on Board Game Geek. Very different locations. <laughs> um, so a collectible card game or a CCG, also called a trading card game, a TCG, among yeah. other names. Yes, among many other names, is a kind of strategy card game um, that was created in 1993 apparently and consists of specifically designed okay. sets of playing cards. Yeah, that's the year Magic the Gathering started. So obviously it's referring to magic gathering um so these cards use proprietary artwork or images to embellish the card that's true there's some very very pretty cards um ccgs may depict anything from fantasy or science fiction genres horror themes cartoons or even sports game text is also on the card and is used to interact with the other cards in a strategic fashion Games are commonly played between two players. The multiplayer formats are also common. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah, that's the one thing actually we didn't we didn't mention is that most of the rules are on the cards, so they're often very easy yeah. to learn because um, all of the text is on the cards. So that's, and it's a good way to be able to update things and add new rules without having to release any rule book. You know, yeah, I don't think there yeah. is a I don't think there is a rule book for Magic the Gathering. Well, there is, but it's tons and tons of pages and it's very um, dense. It's not a good way to learn the game. Right. But um, no, yeah, no, so no. That, that that looks like collectible card games. I think that's very accurate. Yeah, I think it's a big term. Yeah. Mm-hmm, right then, yeah. shall we move on to the next one? <laughs> yes, which is, this is your analysis own. paralysis. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of those terms. Again, I, you know, once you think about what the term actually says, it, it's there in the definition, really. But <laughs> what we're talking about is usually games where um, you can have different options and different decisions you can make in a game. But for some people, and and actually for most people, there comes a point where there's actually so many choices that they just can't think, and and mm-hmm. just sit there and sit there and think okay if i do this and then do this but then they you know because usually other players do things in turn as well you don't you know you just basically sit there forever and ever and that's what they call analysis paralysis you just be mm. paralyzed not doing anything because there's so many choices that choices. it's overwhelming you yes. and most as i say a lot of heavier strategy games have that I don't know whether I can think of specific examples <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, have you an example fair, of it? Have you ever had yeah. analysis paralysis? <laughs> I don't think that much really, but there are games. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, probably the, the first thing that comes to my mind is actually something like Scythe, where, okay, you <laughs> yeah. don't have really that many things to do on your turn, but you do have to think, okay, if I move there and then they move there, then I can move there and then I can take those things and then you get to a point, you know, somewhere in the game where you just you know you're just overwhelmed with all different options that are ahead of you and the big decision tree that's sort of opening up in front of you um yeah size that probably is one of the examples that where that can happen <laughs> but as i say even in lighter games it can happen to some people because it's just you know it might be too overwhelming to make a decision and, and they just sit there and can't mm-hmm. make a decision how about your so definition for that term? Um, for me, I think it comes in. Yeah, it can definitely be the idea that there's too many decisions to be made and you can't choose one. But I often think at times it's like you have two decisions that are almost equally similar, you know, to decide between. And that decision, I think, can be just as hard. Right, but yeah. I, as you said, it normally comes up in heavier games. I'm pretty sure I've done it in much lighter games too. Things like King Domino, yeah. where I'm like, if I place this tile here, will it match up with this by the time I get to the next turn? Or will I do this? It's just, you know, I think we've all had that feeling at that moment when you're like, do I need to do this one or this one? And your brain's not giving you an answer in either direction. <laughs> And so you're you're stuck there trying to make the best of it. And the first and only time I played Gaia Project uh, that happened, it was the last turn of the game. So you're trying to get as many points as possible. And I sat there with two other players and I went... I don't know what to do. I know I want to get up this track, but I don't know how. And I had the two other players sit down and plan out my turn for me and hand me the victory. 
<laughs> they were very they were very magnanimous yeah, yeah. about it. They were they were very kind because I was like, I know I can do this, but I just don't know the steps. <laughs> it's a very good point about sometimes it being, you know, a decision between two options as well. And I love mm. your thing about the last turn in the game, and that's usually <laughs> where most people take longer. I don't think yes. I've ever had specifically analysis paralysis, but you do get a point thing right. Here's these things I need to do. You know, I need to get some points and you yeah. just sit there and sit there and yeah. sit there because it seems like... Exactly, exactly. what is the best thing to do? Shall I read out the wiki definition then and see mm, what, what yeah, it says Yeah, let's, let's hear what it says. So, analysis paralysis or paralysis by analysis <laughs> describes an individual or group process <laughs> when overanalyzing or overthinking a situation can cause forward motion or decision making to become paralyzed god that's very technical that's very good uh, meaning that no solution or course of action is decided upon a situation may be deemed as too complicated and decision is never made due to the fear that a potentially larger problem may arise mm. a person may desire perfect perfect solution but may fear making a decision that could result in error well, on the way to a better solution, equally a person may hold that a superior solution is a short step away and stall in its endless pursuit with no concept of diminishing returns. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, that is, is a very really technical deficient. <laughs> again, I like that thing in there about, you know, you, you maybe not necessarily trying to make the optimal decision this time, but, you know, you do, don't want to block yes. your path later on. So, you mm -hmm. know, decisions that you make now might influence decisions later. And yeah, it is, is a minefield. And um, yeah. All right. So <laughs> our third crazy. definition. This, this should be fun, is yeah. coin games. As far as I'm aware, a coin game is a type of war game there, where there are a lot of chits and things like that. And you, you I think you, you play out a battle. I'm going to assume you play out a battle because it's a war game. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? There are games that come up quite a bit and I I don't really know anything about. I kind of wish I did. I don't mind war games. Yeah. I don't know why I've avoided one. And to come up with an example of a coin game, I couldn't do it without having Googled it. So I didn't Google it. I can't think of a coin <laughs> game. Like, I know GMT makes no. all these games, but other than that, I couldn't tell you anymore. Isn't that embarrassing? I think that's shocking. No, it's of fine. You stuff... know more than me. Do you... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you just... think of GMT. <laughs> I couldn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, all, all the information you get about all the different types of board games and all those kinds of things. And this is an entire genre I know literally nothing about. I'm kind of embarrassed by this, <laughs> to, to be honest. It, it's probably <laughs> something I should look into because I quite like war games. Um, so, yeah, so that's, yeah. that's what I think a, a coin game is. I think it's a war game that I know no more about than that. <laughs> <laughs> have you anything to add to it oliver what do you yeah. think a coin game is well i, I no i mean I, I i think i watched um edward from heavy cardboard play through one i think he was doing like oh. a solo game so i don't know whether mm. these actually are quite good uh, if you play them solo because mm -hmm. there's uh, i think it's basically always just two sides so i don't know whether it's yeah. these are either two player or one player i'm not really sure but again i'm just mm -hmm. guessing as you but coin game <laughs> yeah. always sounds like you've got pennies on there or something but obviously nothing <laughs> like to do it. with the the money <laughs> it's it is here yeah, all the chits <laughs> and things i don't really know how they differ from other war games um yeah. so again i'm i'm just as clueless as, as you as i probably know even less because you could at least mention gmt which i wouldn't have even thought about um so i think oh. we have to just reveal the definition of what it yeah. actually is yeah i think we do because I, I didn't i didn't know what this is so this actually comes from the gmt games website this is their definition so i assume they know what it is because they make coin games um yeah. so here we go so it says this series features volko runka's game system presenting guerrilla warfare asymmetric warfare and counter insurgencies and the co encounter is capitalized and the in and insurgencies so that's where we're getting the coin term coin, so counter insurgencies yeah, yeah. around the world in both historical and contemporary conflicts so it's a specific type okay. of war game i guess counter insurgencies I guess so. it's the guerrilla warfare yeah, yeah. so maybe it's not the traditional okay we've got two armies facing each other but we've got yeah. you know a country a, a superpower or whatever you know being mm. attacked by basically sort of the local population the guerrilla warfare type thing yeah, so maybe, maybe that's where the twist is you know it's maybe not just it two is. big armies moving backwards and forwards yeah. so i don't know as you say, I think we need to look into that further. I think we do. Maybe we should have a special guest to tell us about coin games someday. <laughs> like, tell us what these okay. are. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> we'll go on a fact-finding mission. Um, if you know what they are, why not write in and send us a message? Tell us what your favorite coin game is and why we should play it. I, I would love to try one out just yes. to see what just to see what they are. So, uh, some recommendations and some yeah. further information from our our listeners would be amazing. 
amazing stuff definitely and let us know if there's like a sort of intro coin game that's maybe yeah. easy to learn so you can mm. you know get into the genre and all that do let us exactly. know it'd be really yeah, good that'd to be cool. find it'd out be cool. and try one of those yeah i love learning new things ah so shall we move on to um our final section now that we've got all these definitions out of the way yes so this should be exciting. i think we should let's let's move on to the interesting topic my favorite part of the episode actually no i like the beginning and um, oh wait i kind of like the middle as well but this part's really really great um and this is the part where we pick kind of a topic to talk about and i'm really excited to actually talk about um our predictions for 2020 in the the board game industry have you had a long hard think about it oliver was it difficult it is quite difficult because it's it's so easy to just go down the trap and think okay what was popular in 2019 obviously there's going to be more of that <laughs> and obviously it never happens mm-hmm. or what was talked about and you know the sort of latest gadget is that going to be the next big thing and then obviously it isn't so obviously we can just do what we can and and see what we feel might be happening in 2020 and then maybe halfway through the year or at the end of the year we'll go back and decide whether how close we were obviously some of it will be down to interpretation as well i'm going to be as vague as possible like nostradamus just going to make very vague predictions <laughs> how about you how, how easy did you find to come up with some predictions for 2020 yeah how, how did you get on with that i think my, my like predictions i thought they would be harder to come up with but i ended up coming up with a good few um i'm going with things i i think i've seen starting to happen i think there might be more of or something yeah, like that yeah. i don't know i'm probably also pulling them out of thin air <laughs> if i'm very honest and some of them are things i hope won't happen and some of them are things yes. i hope will happen yeah yeah so um we don't we don't, well, we don't we don't really know no well i guess that's why they're called predictions exactly well. if, if we knew it would be horribly boring okay i i'll jump in right Go on, with more what i would my put what i've put down is my my first my first prediction and so i declare that i think kickstarter is going to start slowing down that i think there's going to be fewer big companies doing these really big campaigns on there i do i i don't know why i have this feeling but i i just i think people are getting fed up with all these kind of over the top kickstarters and paying a lot of money for them i do think smaller companies will still use them or independent publishers and things like that okay. but i think the bigger ones i don't know if you'll see as many and to back up my prediction i believe the conan kickstarter was cancelled this week because yeah. it was it wasn't panning out as planned um from monolith games and so already my predictions are coming true you're right <laughs> right Dumb TikTok. <laughs> you got that correct <laughs> it's funny that you should say that though mm. I, I'm, I'm actually thinking it's the other way around i Ooh. think kickstarter is becoming more and more of a pre-order platform rather than what it was originally mm. for people to actually yes. you know develop their games develop their product whatever it may be it's obviously not just games it's mm-hmm. become popular for games yes and it's rarer and rarer now for anyone to compete and have a successful campaign they basically have everything ready other than actually have mm. produced the final product or sent the order to the factory if you like yeah and that I think is is a shame. I, I quite like the sort of romance of the idea of okay, here here's a concept. Someone has some ideas, and you look at their sort of handwritten notes and hand printed and coloured <laughs> in sort of you know pro- prototypes of of their games and things yes. like that. And that's what I used yeah. to love as well, just you know, play testing a prototype and see how that works, and not worry about the final product. But of course, yeah, if if you're asking for like sixty quid for the, like the minimum pledge then you do yes. need something that people can see because it's very hard for people to visualize without the sort of final product. But I have yes. seen more and more bigger companies doing it last year and I do think yeah. uh, that mm-hmm. it's actually going to go the other way. We're going to see Kickstarter basically becoming a pre-order platform rather than mm-hmm. going back to the traditional model where publishers will actually do their own marketing and things. And unfortunately, well, as I say, I see more and more small publishers and designers who self-publish actually say, I don't know which one it was the other day, I saw a campaign basically that says, yeah, we all have everything ready, we just need you to give us the money yeah. so we can make the product. And I thought, oh, that's, that's such a yeah. shame. So, I don't know. 
We're opposite ah, ends here. I like it the other way around. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the idea of it being a pre-order service. Now, I understand that like where Kickstarter is rooted is in people with ideas. You're supposed to be supporting a particular creator because you believe in what they're doing. You're not supposed to be technically giving out money because the product is already there to buy. But as a consumer, I much prefer backing a campaign and I'm more likely to do so if they say, we've everything in the factory ready to go. Um, You'll have yeah. your game within six months or whatever it is um, for, I, I just feel there's much more security there when everything is ready Absolutely, but I also yeah, like yeah. to try to try and back people you know who genuinely need the money to get their game made like when you see the bigger companies they don't really need Kickstarter anymore it's just more efficient for them and more you know financially yeah, yeah. viable when you know exactly how many copies of your game needs to be made and yeah. all that kind of thing um, but I think Kickstarter should have kept to the, the smaller companies I think that's what it was really aimed at and now that you've got you know the the giants coming in yeah. putting everything through there just because it makes I don't know, financial sense i just think it's taken some of the soul out of it a bit i think it definitely but, has yeah. and, and in fact they have changed their policies so one of the big things they changed in their rules even though they don't seem to have enforced it is that you cannot have like 3d renders of your product on there you're basically only allowed to have actual mm. photos of the actual prototype of what it may be. That's correct. Even though no one seems to mm -hmm. follow through, most campaigns still have like 3D renders and I still don't see how Kickstarter is going to enforce it. But to me, that shows again that Kickstarter doesn't want someone to come up with their prototype and just, you know, show here's my model. I know yes. why they're doing it, but mm -hmm. to me, again, it's just another trend of stopping people who want to, you know, have an idea and want to sell it to someone, yes. you, know, mm -hmm. you know, get them to yeah. buy into this idea but haven't actually got anything final final yet they're still working on it they're still refining yeah. it they're still yes. working it and they need my yeah. financial support to you know take them further yes. and bring it bring it over the line and get it toward the end and that's where i think kickstarter mm. should be there needs to be another platform which is more of the okay here's a pre-order system we've got the product ready we just want to yes. know how many copies we yes. need to print and that mm -hmm. should not be kickstarter yeah. i don't think it should be but it seems to be happening unfortunately yeah i agree it should be your website yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where you should be pre-ordering things like stonemeyer games does that where you can pre-order mm. things now and then they'll ship out when they're ready and i think loads of people wouldn't mind that they'd be very happy to do it absolutely kickstarter and it should definitely be something separate yeah i completely agree with you so what's on your what's on your list then that was that was my first prediction <laughs> that was it's very yours? good i like that that's a good start <laughs> Ooh, I, yeah. I don't know whether i can follow up with this um yeah. But I think one of the things that's been happening a lot already in 2019, I think it's going to happen, unfortunately, more in my view, is have the use of technology and specifically things like apps, like on your um, mobile or whether it's a tablet or something, yeah. becoming more and more integral to games. And I can see, again, I can see the benefits of it because some games are so, there's so much housekeeping to do that you forget what needs to happen there and then, it really affects the outcome of the game as well if you don't put the right tokens in the right place at the right time and whatever. So having an app yeah. that sort of tells you, okay, do this, do this, do this, great. I also think mm -hmm. using things like um, you know apps to sort of teach you the game or, or give you like a little playthrough of it. So as you start setting yeah. up from the sort of setup to actually the first few rounds, you can play it along with the app is also useful to learn a game. But I just don't like the idea of having technology at the table. One of those purists. I know I'm guilty of it sometimes yeah. as well. And I mentioned BG Stats earlier. So I do have <laughs> the app there to record what we're doing. But really, I found yeah. the more I use the phone, I, and I used to do it a lot more, take photos, take videos, and then tweet about it and whatever. I stopped doing that because yes. I know it distracts me from the game. I can't focus on actually the mm. game. I'm not in the moment. Mm. I'm not there with my friends yeah. either. And I, I don't like the idea, but... I, I guess I can also see how it can work. But anyway, my prediction is there'll be more mm -hmm. technology and particularly apps that are, that are integral to the gameplay that you basically can't play the game without it. So that's an interesting one because I think people have been saying that for a number of years because what was it, the first one that came out with an app? I think it was Alchemists, um, which is kind of a deduction game and you were trying to figure out what potion it was and you would use yeah. your phone um, yeah, yeah. To, so for it to tell you what the, the right answer was. And that was a really nicely integrated thing because you didn't really need it to like the end of the game so you weren't 
on your phone the whole time. But I think it's something people keep talking about. I do think it's something that's trying to be pushed, though, because you definitely see it with Chronicles of Crime, yeah. where you you know you use your phone and the QR scanner um, and things like that. I'm I'd be very curious to see where it would go. But I'm kind of I'm with you actually in the sense that I don't think phones really have a place at the gaming table. Now I too am really guilty, but I take photos of most things I play. But I'll take the photo right at the start when the setup's happening. So most of my photos actually aren't of a game in progress. They're of I'm getting right, the photo yeah, yeah. out of the way. Now. Now, so we can play the we can play the game and you know and by the time we're totting everything up for the last round i'm already trying to put in our results as yeah, well yeah, yeah. but i do i do think it does take away um in the same way as if you're why if you've the television on i think while you're playing a board game as well i think yeah. it can really distract from that because it's a really intimate setting um you know and you are engaging with other people over this this thing on the table yeah. and adding technology to that i don't know if it's always going to really add to the experience but i i completely agree with you that i think um people are trying to go that way with it maybe they'll have a novel way of using it that it doesn't feel so i don't know like it takes over that it's much yeah, more complementary yeah. to what you're doing yeah but i can see it happening it, it's finding that balance and yeah i, I think it is is something that's happening more and more and and you look at things like Teburu as well we have like that sort of digital board mm-hmm. that you, you can play games on and it you know then links up to the app so you know what dice you know rolled and where the characters are and all that and as i said i, th- I think for some games it might be useful to have a little sort of reminder of making sure you don't miss something but at the same time if it basically literally the, the game tells you okay now this happens and okay we go here why can't i just draw a card or have a more of the physical yeah. interaction reading out the card i mean also the things where the actual app then reads out the text to you and, and tells you a story i'm oh. sure some people love that but to me personally i'd rather have a you know have a book that i read from you know the idea of the near and far above and below idea you read a thing out and, and then someone has to answer and i can make up my yeah. own voice and things like that or i'll read something from a card there's a deck of cards you know this event happens i have to read it out to someone mm. i prefer those sort of things but yeah i think there'd be more more technology use in in games definitely i think the trend will get even stronger and what do you think actually of um digital board games then in general so for instance you can play scythe on your computer or you know you can play star realms on your phone do you think that's a very separate thing than having an app be part of your game to me that's it is a different thing i i I used to play star Mm -hmm. realms on the phone all the time against the ai and it's fun you know it's a sort of (laughs) thing you know you you do your sudoku (laughs) or whatever on the phone you you know do your crossword Mm -hmm. yeah and to me that's a completely different activity if if someone loves playing on their you know some sort of game with friends over the internet and that's an that's an experience that's that's fine but to me board games are about people being at the table and and sort of the romance of you know you you sit there you read something out you you pass each other cards tokens you interact you make up voices you yeah as i say you get maybe sort of going back to sort of (laughs) the original idea of a role-playing type game you're getting into character you're trying to be immersed into in this thing um rather than having distraction of of having Mm -hmm. to tap something on a phone or it telling you something to Mm -hmm. do and yeah i don't know I just yeah, yeah I, I think to me it's a separate thing I'm, I'm happy to play it in an app game separate thing. but I don't want to have an app yep. game on the table with friends if you see what I mean so it's that <laughs> <laughs> okay. right so okay my second prediction um, and this is something actually we talked about earlier in the episode um, and this is to I think people are gonna try and buy fewer games Okay. And I, yeah. Why this year? And why this year instead of any other year? I'm not entirely certain, but the way you and I were both feeling about that we wanted to play more of our own games seems to be quite a common consensus. Yeah. And yeah, people joke all the time about oh, I shouldn't buy any more games, and I back three things on Kickstarter. But I do feel like there's a a movement where people are just tired of all of the new games all of the time, and mm-hmm. they'd rather focus on their what they have already. And I think that's a a really good thing i think there it feels like there's been lots of games released i don't have any figures but i know it i felt like there was oh here's another thing and another thing and it never really just slowed down and give you give you time to breathe and i think people are trying to create that space for themselves um yeah so that, that's my that's my trend my trend i th- i think you're right there and, I, and that was actually leads into my next prediction Yay. which is that there'll be more campaign games oh in, in 2020 mm-hmm. okay yeah. and not necessarily in the traditional sense of where literally have to have the same group of people every week or whatever and play through the whole campaign but yeah. also in the sense of 
that the game develops and you can actually you know have other players you know someone else might drop out and you can still carry on the story and and it doesn't necessarily force you you know if someone isn't there that you have to fill them in the next time to turn up it's just that the game sort of evolves as you play it little by little and it encourages you basically to sort of discover the game i, I think it, that's one of some of the things that people actually do want to do actually you know discover a story and and the game develops and and I think campaign games in that sense will become more popular and basically not force but encourage people to play the same game several times and discover new things new rules get yes. introduced so so less not the legacy idea so, so much that you you know add mm. new rules and in, into a sticker book and and all that or rip up cards and whatever but more the idea yeah. of you know have have different campaigns I suppose more in the sense of modules that you activate over time. So you're adding bits in as as it goes along. So yeah, definitely with you on the idea that people will play games more repeatedly rather than keep buying the latest yeah. hotness. I think people complain about the hotness more and more now and the fear of missing out. So hopefully we're both right and it'll be more of a trend of playing the same game again and again. Yeah, I hope so. I, I like your idea of more kind of campaign games, but not so fixed. I think um, Oath from later games is on Kickstarter right now, and it's offering yeah. something just like that. It's kind of a legacy kind of story where, you know, it doesn't, but you don't have to use it every time you play it and you can have different players and things like that. I, I do think the more variations you have for those games and the less rigid you make them, the more inclined people are going to be to come back to them every time. Because in yeah, my yeah. Max vs. Minions example, you know, there was no way for us to finish that without other other people, you know, when you start with a group. And I suppose, yeah, it, it's a good, I, campaign games are a great way anyway to play more, play the same game, you know, repeatedly. Yeah. And so you can get more bang for your book as well. Exactly. So you yeah, to yeah. buy fewer games and play the ones you have even more. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. And I, and I, I don't mm. think people would mind if those games were more expensive because there's there's more game in it. Mm. I, I think yeah. obviously there is okay. a danger that it becomes a bit elitist and people only who have lots of money can enjoy those mm. games. But I, I think <laughs> if if I <laughs> yes. know that I'm going to play this more often, even though I might you know might be harder to make a decision to actually buy the game in the first place but if i know there's lots of yeah. content in there if you like that i'm going to enjoy and i can play it with different people and play it, it'll be different every time i think that sort of thing uh, is really good yeah they have to be the same players i think that's the key thing because it's great if you have a games group and you know people who who love gloomhaven and play with the same yeah. people whatever you know they play through the campaigns yeah. and that's amazing but I think for a lot of us, it, the, the fact is, even though you, most of you might meet, meet every week, some of you won't be there every week. Mm -hmm. So you have to have something where the rest of you can still carry on playing the mm -hmm. same game without someone else losing out. And I think that would be the trend. So mm -hmm. let's hope. Well, and so kind of to jump on the end of your coattails there, because you were talking about people might play more for campaign games if they oh, thought yeah. they got more out of it. I think we're going to see more reprints and reskins this year. You know, kind of the deluxified versions of, you know, X game that everybody loved um, come out. And those are, I suppose, what made me think of it was those are always quite pricey things, the, the reprints or the reskins. Yeah, so, like, yeah. we've, we've seen, like, the Castles of Burgundy had its special anniversary edition at the end of last year. Um, Rococo is getting a reprint and Kanban as well with new sexy art. Yeah. And, you know, it recessed boards and God knows how much it's going to cost. I'm sure it's a small fortune with art by Ian O'Toole. And, and yeah. all of the like I think you're starting to see a lot of a lot of these. Like Preta Porter was also a reprint from last year where they just they upgraded yeah. the art and made it all all beautiful and put it back on Kickstarter. And I think we're gonna see more of these this year. Um I think vying for the fact that people already know and love these games and will be quite happy to splurge on the new fancier version of it. And then it also means that people who were unable to acquire a copy of these kind of rare games games will now be able to to buy one too at a kind of a, a higher price absolutely with you on that one and in fact i've got that as well i was i was thinking about Die Macha as a reprint <laughs> and the underground was a reprint Print, and, yes. and that's all happened in 2019 so i'm i'm mm. hoping it's going to continue in 2020 i don't know but we've obviously got companies <laughs> like restoration games to bring back this sort of classic yes board games with mm. action elements and things and bringing them back to life and, yes. and making them updated yeah. rules and maybe some new net mechanisms just to bring them more up to date but bring it back the old classics and as i said with exactly. dune you know you you come back with with a sort mm. of games and you're surprised <laughs> how well they still yeah. work you know we, we sometimes are a bit disappointed with old games that they you know just don't work anymore because mechanisms have moved on but <laughs> a lot of these actually do work really well so 
definitely i'm with you on that one so i can only copy that so maybe i should come up with a new prediction in that case (laughs) because that's yours i'll let you have that one okay (laughs) i think (laughs) i think my next prediction for 2020 will be that there'll Mm -hmm. be more unique games and i've written an article about it last year that i think it'll happen more Mm -hmm. and we had keyforge which was a big success i think obviously it's died Mm -hmm. down a bit but they have reinvented things a bit and it keeps going Mm -hmm. but i think there'll be more of that now that there is the ability to be able to print unique decks in this case of cards but there are probably other ways of printing other things boards and things like that hopefully Mm -hmm. designers have already started jumping on that idea and have come up with some ways of making a game that is unique but still creates fun i don't know how it's going to work so this is going to be a very sort of risky <laughs> prediction from me yeah. but i do think there will okay. be more so even if there's like two more next year i think i've already got that prediction right because <laughs> there's one. only one this year or 2019 there was only one well there was two i don't want to, don't want to mention the other one because it wasn't a big success but let's say there's two or three yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's, if there's three next year or this year sorry should i say then i've got the correct prediction correct so that's that's my prediction yes. new games are are going to be a, not oh, a big yeah. thing but we're going to see more of next year and hopefully successful one this time yes hopefully that's interesting actually because i thought that once we saw that kind of key forge mechanic and, and it was replicated in discovery that we would see other games doing the same thing that happens a lot with board games where you know there's a, a particular idea and then it trickles down into you know other formats and things yeah um, i'm surprised we didn't see more of it maybe you know it's copyrighted or something like that and only you know Richard Garfield can make more things. And no, I, I think it's just one of those things. It's it's a new concept that designers are getting their heads around. I mean, Jamie Stegmaier in one of his, not podcasts, but the YouTube things, Facebook sit-downs, he did say yeah. that at the time that he was actually talking to his printing company to see whether they could do something mm-hmm. similar. Oh, so it is, I think, something that isn't widely available, but obviously is technologically possible. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a copyright thing. It's more of a matter of, okay, can my printer do it is it becoming more you know more widespread once becomes a bit more common then obviously say designers need to jump on as well and use that idea in a game that works that isn't just a deck of cards that's unique but uses a deck and something else and you know builds that in and then maybe even that adds to the earlier prediction of campaign games so maybe don't have campaign games but actually Mm. the idea of discovery was that everyone has their own game and i can come around your place and play your copy of discovery and it's different but i know how to play it already Mm. or you can come around mine and if it's something like that would work again you know i can play the game i know how it works i go around someone else's house they've got a different version of it different. i know how to play it yes. but it plays differently we have a different experience and i think <laughs> again that would, yeah. would be really amazing if we could make something like that happen in 2020 so it'd be very cool to, to see that play out in other ways it might be implemented because if you can make one set of thing you know unique or distinct what other things could you make in the same manner beyond like a deck of cards yeah. it would be it would be really fascinating to see um i actually had a very similar thought so you you went for you know more that kind of unique individual style of games and i yeah. predicted or i do predict that there will be more unique themes this year okay I, yeah i think board games is starting to finally move away from trading in the mediterranean and things like that and we saw a lot of really <laughs> kind of unique titles in 2019 um where yeah. you had things like vindication which was like a euro game with a theme yes. where you'd like fallen overboard and you wanted to vindicate yourself and even earlier than that things like a, a pleasant journey to nico which i seem to talk about all the time because it's just yeah, it's so yeah. different going and seeing penguins wingspan of course birds <laughs> wingspan birds exactly <laughs> and like i don't want to say everdell was all that unique because it was just forest critters and things like that Cute, but i yeah. think people were attracted yeah. to something a bit different and i think you got a very different audience into board games because of those new themes and i really hope that we say see more of this like fog of love is another great example for a unique theme for a game that you can really draw people in with something people are going to get excited about you know it's only so much fun putting your worker out in a map for so long if you want new people to breathe life into the hobby you gotta have something a bit different and i think yeah, I think board yeah. games are starting to to turn that way that's a very good prediction i think i think you're right mm. because one of the things we've seen with uh designers um, and, and illustrators mm. coming out last year is, is more female designers and illustrators let's say wingspan again yeah. elizabeth hargrave 
I'm not gonna. I keep trying to pronounce the illustrator's name. It's Natalia and um, Anna Maria Martinez. I, sorry, I, I've always mm-hmm. mixed up those names. I don't, don't want to get wrong <laughs> yet again. But you know, just a trend of having yep. having a, a fresh a, a look uh, from a well, probably still predominantly male um, dominated industry. Having now yeah. female designers mm-hmm. coming in, having under other people, you know, from from a wider spectrum of this, you know, our society being represented more i yes. think or at mm-hmm. least i hope because that's sort of my next prediction that we'll see more of that and it'll become more prominent hopefully that we'll see female designers we'll see uh, non-binary we'll mm-hmm. see all sorts of people from different walks of life um, whether it's blind yep. or hard of hearing or bringing something to the mix and and hopefully becoming more prominent and and successful and, and hopefully yes. winning awards and things like that and that will add to mm-hmm. the idea of having unique themes as well so i can see that linking in yep. that we'll have more of that because we just get a fresh look from other people who come into the industry and and create those things so yeah my prediction would be that we'll see a, a more prominent representation from a wider area of of society come you know become yes. prominent as i say in the industry i really hope so uh like i don't know about you but i get really bored of hearing the same kind of people's viewpoints all of the time i think it's so exciting yeah. to hear about you know what someone else's experiences are what they bring to the table and how they they view things and i'm always perpetually amazed at the amount of women gamers who contact me over my wingspan review video or my everdell video yeah. and i've never had so many people reach out and say oh i really like this game can you recommend more things for me right, and yeah, i think yeah. that says something about a shift in gaming when i'm seeing these different types the gamers i don't know why wingspan is so appealing like that i think maybe it just does appeal to everybody yeah. but there's there's something about these newer games that are bringing in new people and maybe that's because it's different viewpoints like you said we're getting different voices yeah and so you attract different people yeah. which, is, which is awesome i really hope your prediction is very true yeah. i would love to see more games from from different viewpoints and of course stefan feld um <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> can't forget him but no absolutely i mean we, we, no. So we've, we've seen the strength so starting in 2019 was with, with female designers nyctophobia you know having this sort of blind element in it yeah um, you know for, for exactly. blind p- people or, or rather trying to give mm-hmm. blind people an opportunity to play but also people who have have no visual impairment be able to understand yeah. what that might be like it get a rough idea so that, all those yes. things are, are amazing that that they were happening mm-hmm. but we do need more of them i think yeah. it, it it's it yeah. i think it's going to benefit everyone if we have that just wider mm-hmm. pool of ideas i don't care where amazing games come from as long as the games are amazing it's all good so i'm gonna tie in actually my 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 next prediction with what you were saying actually about the artwork and things like that and wingspan and i think that we're going to see a real improvement in both artwork and design in board games and i think we're starting to see it now i think companies are realizing that you know your flat monotone brown board with your chit tokens ain't cutting it anymore especially with kickstarter rising to prominence people are expecting kind of all sorts of things and and games are finding new ways to improve their art their layout their visibility and things like that because people are buying their product in advance they now have to kind of fancy it up but i i think that's true though of games i suppose not on kickstarter too although they are very few and far between these days but i i definitely think games are looking better Mm, and mm, are mm. more visually interesting yeah um and i think we're gonna see more of that and that ties in also to this more reprints and deluxe editions and fancy things and more eno tool wherever you can fit and (laughs) and things like that so that (laughs) so i yeah i think games are gonna i think games are gonna look better and and be more legible i think long long gone are the days of trying to read what number is on this chit and whatnot yeah so there you go (laughs) those games won't sell anymore (laughs) well i'm going to come up with one last prediction and that one is about uh, consolidation in the industry and i i think that's going to happen on very many levels so we've we've seen a huge explosion i think in 2019 and, and probably a couple of years before that where more people came in and i was talking just now but we'll hope that we'll have different voices coming in. i think that will still happen but yes. i think overall we've probably maybe grown too much i mean 
even companies like Asmodee who've been buying every everyone left, right, and center. Everything. Everything is <laughs> yes. now Asmodee. Even they, I think, are going to start slowing down and consolidate and see what they're actually doing. And I think some of that sort of happened already. They've split back some of the companies and into their own sort of independent entities again. And I think it also happened with, with people like ourselves, you know, that, that podcasters and YouTubers and whatever <laughs> will start working together. So consolidation isn't necessarily a negative thing. It can also be about yeah. cooperating and and so I think we'll actually generally start working more together. So that's my prediction for Ooh. 2020, that we'll have more collaboration and more consolidation. That, that's an inter- that's a really interesting one, actually, because I was like, how much longer can Asmodee keep eating smaller companies? I think they acquired yeah. like Repost Games yesterday. Um, so yeah. um, I, there's, only, there's only so much you can do with that. But I do really like your idea of more collaboration, especially among content creators. Um, it's something... I'd love to do more of. I always think that by bringing people together, you get the best out of more people. Yeah. I think there's something about having everyone's talents be on show and yeah. be able to support each other that makes them for some really great things. And I, I would, I would love to see more of that. I think that would be very exciting. Um, I'm trying to think: is there any other ways that we'll consolidate things? Any, uh, I suppose of designers working together i love when that happens yep. so i would love yep. to see more people so, make yeah. games together because yeah, yeah. then you get all these cool explosions of ideas that would be a very bright future <laughs> indeed no definitely okay so i have two trends left but one is really more just of a snide remark okay so i think that more games will have solo modes included in them and I think we've seen a lot of this happening um, nowadays where people are realizing that you're making this really, really big game. Not everyone has time to play it with other people. So they're not only just throwing in a solo mode, but they're making kind of robust and proper ones that people, you know, are actually able to enjoy. I think it's like... I'm trying to think of the last couple of games I bought. It was unusual for them not to have included some sort of solo variant. And I think that's really nice to see. I think the more you can get out of your game, the better. I don't know if more people will become solo gamers because of this, but I think it's good. I think it's definitely good for their community. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just I just like the idea of it that the game can be playable at more player counts, I think is always positive. So um, that's that's what I think will be a, a continued trend of more games with solo modes. No, definitely. And as you say, it's, it's about the robustness of it as well. And even with like two-player games as well, you know, mm. some games are great with three, four, five, even though they say that you can play them with, with one two. or two, they yes. don't, don't work in two or one. <laughs> so having yes. that happen more, as you say, in the last year, we saw a lot more games just you know solo mode was just a given it, it mm. wasn't even you know something you have to worry about yes i think yep. that'll happen more and more so there will be a lot more solo gaming built in and there'll be mm. good games as well yes. so they're not just going to add it on and sort of work yep. but aren't really fun so mm. great mm-hmm. brilliant well, I think that rounds it up quite nicely, our predictions. We'll it have does. to write them down, put them in a sealed envelope, put them in a time capsule and then dig them up in six or 12 months' time and see whether see we were right. Were. <laughs> I'm going to throw in my one last night remark because this was my final prediction, but it's not really a prediction. Oh, yeah, go on. You already heard this. I think of Board course. Game Geek will still look the same this time next year. <laughs> <laughs> that's my prediction the, but they've the, just renewed it it's just all different now so what, oh, what do you mean it's all updated so, yeah exactly it, and I believe that the website will have no further functionality um, they may have changed the logo and a little bit of how the, the front looks but it still feels like 1995 in there and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon <laughs> <laughs> so that was my final prediction no okay <laughs> I love board game geek. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> That's a very controversial prediction. <laughs> so yeah, um, I guess I wonder, do you listeners at home or on the train or wherever you may be, um, what are your predictions for the year? Do you do you think we we hit the nail on the head with any of our predictions? There should be one of the many we've just said, and mm. and especially how vague some of mine are. They must come true somehow. <laughs> they weren't that. So yeah, let us know what do you think. Yeah. Have you had got any predictions? Also, let us know about your resolutions for mm. twenty twenty. Have you Absolutely. made any resolution for yourself? Yep. You know, anything you plan? Just always contact us via yes. Twitter on mm-hmm. the website. You know, yep. the comment section. Drop us an email. It, all those things are there yep. on the website mm-hmm. tabletopinquisition.com. Yep. Don't really good fun that thanks was, very much yeah, really enjoyed that. thank you too that was really good fun i love when we have a chat we're so good at this when we have a chat. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i meant to say actually if you've got any um suggestions for topics or anything you might like us to cover on the show why not let us know as well we're always we're always open to yeah. kind of outside input if you think there's anything we you'd like to hear us talk about let us know 
So I guess I guess I guess that's a signing out until the next episode. Yeah. Stay tuned. Thanks folks. very much for listening as always. Yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, take care, everybody. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. Bye.